In my never-to-be-humble opinion, wait, what? Coming to you from Riverside, California, and podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb, and this is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, the daily podcast where we read the entire Bible in a year. Our reading today is Isaiah 7 through 11, after which I'll have a gripe about something in one of our chapters and then a close examination of a verse in another chapter. After that, there's the On This Day in Church History segment, and that's it, because the scripture reading and my remarks are longer than usual today, so I'm going to keep everything else short and sweet. So let's get started. Isaiah chapter 7. Now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzzah, the son of Judah, that Rezan, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, The Aramaeans have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and your son Shear Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take care and be calm. Have no fear, and do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands, on account of the fierce anger of Reason and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Because Aram, with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah, has planned evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it, and make for ourselves a breach in its walls, and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Reason. Now within another sixty-five years Ephraim will be shattered, so that it is no longer a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men, that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. The Lord will bring on you, on your people, and on your father's house, such days as have never come since the day that Ephraim separated from Judah, the king of Assyria. In that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is in the remotest part of the rivers of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle on the steep ravines, on the ledges of the cliffs, on all the thorn bushes, and on all the watering places. In that day the Lord will shave with a razor, hired from regions beyond the Euphrates, that is, with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the legs, and it will also remove the beard. Now in that day a man may keep alive a heifer and a pair of sheep, and because of the abundance of the milk produced he will eat curds, for every one that is left within the land will eat curds and honey. 
And it will come about in that day that every place where there used to be a thousand vines valued at a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. People will come there with bows and arrows, because all the land will be briars and thorns. As for all the hills which used to be cultivated with the hoe, you will not go there for fear of briars and thorns, but they will become a place for pasturing oxen and for sheep to trample. Isaiah chapter 8 The Lord said to me, Take a large piece of writing material and write on it in large letters, Quick loot, fast plunder. Get two reliable men, the priest Uriah and Zechariah, son of Jeberechiah, to serve as witnesses. Some time later my wife became pregnant. When our son was born, the Lord said to me, Name him Quick Loot Fast Plunder. Before the boy is old enough to say Mommy and Daddy, all the wealth of Damascus and all the loot of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Assyria. The Lord spoke to me again. He said, Because these people have rejected the quiet waters of Shiloh Brook and tremble before King Reason and King Pekah, I, the Lord, will bring the emperor of Assyria and all his forces to attack Judah. They will advance like the flood waters of the Euphrates River, overflowing all its banks. They will sweep through Judah in a flood, rising shoulder-high and covering everything. God is with us. His outspread wings protect the land. Gather together in fear, you nations. Listen, you distant parts of the earth. Get ready to fight, but be afraid. Yes, get ready, but be afraid. Make your plans, but they will never succeed. Talk all you want to, but it is all useless, because God is with us. With His great power, the Lord warned me not to follow the road which the people were following. He said, Do not join in the schemes of the people, and do not be afraid of the things that they fear. Remember that I, the Lord Almighty, am holy. I am the one you must fear. Because of my awesome holiness, I am like a stone that people stumble over. I am like a trap that will catch the people of the kingdoms of Judah and Israel and all the people of Jerusalem. Many will stumble, they will fall and be crushed, they will be caught in a trap. You, my disciples, are to guard and preserve the messages that God has given me. The Lord has hidden Himself from His people, but I trust Him and place my hope in Him. Here I am with the children the Lord has given me. The Lord Almighty, whose throne is on Mount Zion, has sent us as living messages to the people of Israel. But people will tell you to ask for messages from fortune-tellers and mediums who chirp and mutter. They will say, After all, people should ask for messages from the spirits and consult the dead on behalf of the living. You are to answer them. Listen to what the Lord is teaching you. Don't listen to mediums. What they tell you cannot keep trouble away. The people will wander through the land, discouraged and hungry. In their hunger and their anger they will curse their king and their god. They may look up to the sky or stare at the ground, but they will see nothing but trouble and darkness, terrifying darkness into which they are being driven. Isaiah chapter 9 There will be no way for them to escape from this time of trouble. The land of the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali was once disgraced, but the future will bring honor to this region from the Mediterranean eastward to the land on the other side of the Jordan and even to Galilee itself where the foreigners live. The people who walked in darkness have seen great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now light is shining on them. You have given them great joy, Lord. You have made them happy. They rejoice in what you have done, as people rejoice when they harvest grain or when they divide captured wealth. For you have broken the yoke that burdened them and the rod that beat their shoulders. 
You have defeated the nation that oppressed and exploited your people, just as you defeated the army of Midian long ago. The boots of the invading army and all their blood-stained clothing will be destroyed by fire. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. He will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. His royal power will continue to grow. His kingdom will always be at peace. He will rule as King David's successor, basing his power on right and justice, from now until the end of time. The Lord Almighty is determined to do all this. The Lord has pronounced judgment on the kingdom of Israel, on the descendants of Jacob. All the people of Israel, everyone who lives in the city of Samaria, will know that he has done this. They are proud and arrogant. They say, The brick buildings have fallen down, but we will replace them with stone buildings. The beams of sycamore wood have been cut down, but we will replace them with the finest cedar. The Lord has stirred up their enemies to attack them. Syria on the east and Philistia on the west have opened their mouths to devour Israel. Yet even so, the Lord's anger is not ended. His hand is still stretched out to punish. The people of Israel have not repented. Even though the Lord Almighty has punished them, they have not returned to Him. In a single day, the Lord will punish Israel's leaders and its people. He will cut them off, head and tail. The old and the honorable men are the head, and the tail is the prophets whose teachings are lies. Those who led these people have misled them and totally confused them. And so the Lord will not let any of the young men escape, and He will not show pity on any of the widows and orphans, because all the people are godless and wicked and everything they say is evil. Yet even so the Lord's anger will not be ended, but His hand will still be stretched out to punish. The wickedness of the people burns like a fire that destroys thorn bushes and thistles. It burns like a forest fire that sends up columns of smoke. Because the Lord Almighty is angry, His punishment burns like a fire throughout the land and destroys the people, and it is each of us for ourselves. Everywhere in the country, people snatch and eat any bit of food they can find, but their hunger is never satisfied. They even eat their own children. The people of Manasseh and the people of Ephraim attack each other, and together they attack Judah. Even so, the Lord's anger is not ended. His hand is still stretched out to punish. Isaiah chapter 10 You are doomed. You make unjust laws that oppress my people. That is how you keep the poor from having their rights and from getting justice. That is how you take the property that belongs to widows and orphans. What will you do when God punishes you? What will you do when He brings disaster on you from a distant country? Where will you run to find help? Where will you hide your wealth? You will be killed in battle or dragged off as prisoners. Yet even so, the Lord's anger will not be ended. His hand will still be stretched out to punish. The Lord said, Assyria, I use Assyria like a club to punish those with whom I am angry. I sent Assyria to attack a godless nation, people who have made me angry. I send them to loot and steal and trample the people like dirt in the streets. But the Assyrian emperor has his own violent plans in mind. He is determined to destroy many nations. He boasts, Every one of my commanders is a king. I conquered the cities of Kalno and Carchemish, the cities of Hamath and Arpad. I conquered Samaria and Damascus. I reached out to punish those kingdoms that worship idols, idols more numerous than those of Jerusalem and Samaria. I have destroyed Samaria and all its idols, and I will do the same to Jerusalem and the images that are worshipped there. But the Lord says, 
When I finish what I am doing on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, I will punish the emperor of Assyria for all his boasting and all his pride. The emperor of Assyria boasts, I have done it all myself. I am strong and wise and clever. I wiped out the boundaries between nations and took the supplies they had stored. Like a bull I have trampled the people who live there. The nations of the world were like a bird's nest, and I gathered their wealth as easily as gathering eggs. Not a wing fluttered to scare me off, no beak opened to scream at me. But the Lord says, Can an axe claim to be greater than the one who uses it? Is a saw more important than the one who saws with it? A club doesn't lift up a person. A person lifts up a club. The Lord Almighty is going to send disease to punish those who are now well fed. In their bodies there will be a fire that burns and burns. God, the light of Israel, will become a fire. Israel's holy God will become a flame, which in a single day will burn up everything, even the thorns and thistles. The rich forests and farmlands will be totally destroyed in the same way that a fatal sickness destroys someone. There will be so few trees left that even a child will be able to count them. A time is coming when the people of Israel who have survived will not rely any more on the nation that almost destroyed them. They will truly put their trust in the Lord, Israel's holy God. A few of the people of Israel will come back to their mighty God. Even though now there are as many people of Israel as there are grains of sand by the sea, only a few will come back. Destruction is in store for the people, and it is fully deserved. Yes, throughout the whole country, the Sovereign Lord Almighty will bring destruction as He said He would. The Sovereign Lord Almighty says to the people who live in Zion, Do not be afraid of the Assyrians, even though they oppress you as the Egyptians used to do. In only a little while I will finish punishing you, and then I will destroy them. I, the Lord Almighty, will beat them with my whip as I did the people of Midian at Oreb Rock. I will punish Assyria as I punished Egypt. When that time comes, I will free you from the power of Assyria, and their yoke will no longer be a burden on your shoulders. The enemy army has captured the city of Ai. They have passed through Migron. They left their supplies at Michmash. They have crossed the pass and are spending the night at Geba. The people in the town of Ramah are terrified, and the people in King Saul's hometown of Gibeah have run away. Shout, people of Galim! Listen, people of Laishah! Answer, people of Anathoth! The people of Madmana and Gebam are running for their lives. Today the enemy are in the town of Nob, and they are shaking their fists at Mount Zion, the city of Jerusalem. The Lord Almighty will bring them crashing down like branches cut off a tree. The proudest and highest of them will be cut down and humiliated. The Lord will cut them down as trees in the heart of the forest are cut down with an axe, as even the finest trees of Lebanon fall. Isaiah chapter 11 The royal line of David is like a tree that has been cut down. But just as new branches sprout from a stump, so a new king will arise from among David's descendants. The Spirit of the Lord will give him wisdom and the knowledge and skill to rule his people. He will know the Lord's will and honor him, and find pleasure in obeying him. He will not judge by appearance or hearsay. He will judge the poor fairly and defend the rights of the helpless. At his command the people will be punished, and evil persons will die. He will rule his people with justice and integrity. Wolves and sheep will live together in peace, and leopards will lie down with young goats. Calves and young lions will feed together, and little children will take care of them. Cows and bears will eat together, and their calves and cubs will lie down in peace. 
Lions will eat straw as cattle do. Even a baby will not be harmed if it plays near a poisonous snake. On Zion, God's sacred hill, there will be nothing harmful or evil. The land will be as full of knowledge of the Lord as the seas are full of water. A day is coming when the new king from the royal line of David will be a symbol to the nations. They will gather in his royal city and give him honor. When that day comes, the Lord will once again use his power and bring back home those of his people who are left in Assyria and Egypt, in the lands of Pathros, Ethiopia, Elam, Babylonia, and Hamath, and in the coastlands and on the islands of the sea. The Lord will raise a signal flag to show the nations that He is gathering together again the scattered people of Israel and Judah and bringing them back from the four corners of the earth. The kingdom of Israel will not be jealous of Judah anymore, and Judah will not be the enemy of Israel. Together they will attack the Philistines on the west and plunder the people who live to the east. They will conquer the people of Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon will obey them. The Lord will dry up the Gulf of Suez, and He will bring a hot wind to dry up the Euphrates, leaving only seven tiny streams so that anyone can walk across. There will be a highway out of Assyria for those of His people Israel who have survived there, just as there was for their ancestors when they left Egypt. Before I talk about my gripe today, let me ask you a question. Did you notice the prophecies of the coming Messiah in our reading today? Yeah, me too. I'll be talking about that in a moment. But first, let me talk a little bit about our reading of chapter 8 of Isaiah. Now, I'm all for modern English translations, as long as the new translation makes the text easy to understand and it conveys the original meaning that was intended in the original language. But in the beginning of chapter 8, we have what is to me an excellent example of why we need to keep the older translations around. At the beginning of chapter 8, God tells Isaiah in the translation we read today, take a large piece of writing material and write on it in large letters, quick loot, fast plunder. All right, is it me or did you sort of say, what, when you heard that? I didn't immediately grasp the meaning of that sentence, and I'll bet you didn't either. What exactly is a large piece of writing material, and what in the world is the meaning of quick loot, fast plunder? Well, in the King James Version, Isaiah is told, Take thee a great roll, and write in it with a man's pen concerning Mayor Shalal Hashbaz. Now, other than the Mayor Shalal Hashbaz part, doesn't that make more sense? I'll explain Mayor Shalal Hashbaz in a moment, but you probably easily understood the instruction to take the a great roll. What did they write on in those times? Scrolls. The modern translation could have easily read, get a large book and write on it. As the famous radio psychologist Laura Schlesinger used to say, in my never-to-be-humble opinion, that would have been much better. Get a large book and write on it, or write in it. And did you notice something in the King James Version that I just read to you that was not in the Good News Translation? Let me read to you again. First, the King James. Take thee a great roll, and write in it with a man's pen concerning Mayor Shalal Hashbaz. And now the Good News. Take a large piece of writing material and write on it in large letters, quick loot, fast plunder. Did you hear the missing element? In the King James, Isaiah is told to write with a man's pen. There's nothing at all about what to write with in the good news. Why is that point important? 
Well, I like the way the Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary explains it. Isaiah was to write it in ordinary characters which the humblest can read, not in hieroglyphics. The object was that, after the event, all might see that it had been predicted by Isaiah. So this was God telling Isaiah that he wanted everyone, from the most noble to the most humble, to know what God told Isaiah would take place. It was not only to be for the aristocracy. Okay, now for Mayor Shalal Hashbaz. Mayor Shalal Hashbaz means make speed to the spoil, hasten to the prey. Don't you think that actually is more clear than quick loot, fast plunder? Quick loot, fast plunder sounds like a fast food slogan or something. The message here is that the Assyrian army will come upon them with great speed and make great spoil. They're coming in quickly, and they're going to bring a great deal of destruction upon them. So that's a not-so-short lesson on one way to get more learning from the reading of Scripture. Use more than one version. Compare translations. Don't just let things go by that you're not clear on. All right, let's move on now to chapter 9, verse 6. Okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. We read from the Good News translation, but for my remarks here, I'm going to use the King James because I like how it sounds. And many of us are more familiar with this verse and the King James because when we hear the Christmas story, it's the King James that is most often quoted. So, here's Isaiah 9-6 from the King James. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All right, this is, of course, a prophecy about the coming Messiah. Now listen, there's something about prophecy that many people don't understand. And this point was explained to me many years ago by an old preacher who specialized in biblical prophecy. Imagine you're looking at a mountain range from a long distance away. From your perspective there, you see mountains going from maybe one side of the horizon to the other. What you probably see as you look at them from left to right is several peaks. But do you know what you don't see? You don't see the distance between them. There are peaks and valleys in a mountain range, but from a distance, you don't see the valleys. Some prophecies are like that. The peaks are the prophetic events. The valleys are the time between them. From the time that the prophecy is given until the fulfillment of the prophecy begins, the prophecy looks like it all happens at once. But there could be a valley of time between the actual events or fulfillment of the prophecy. Now that's what happened with the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And that's why the Jewish scholars of Jesus' time missed him. They were expecting the Messiah to establish an earthly kingdom when he came. They missed the valley between his first coming and his second coming. Now, in the interest of time, I'm just going to talk about one aspect of this part of verse 6. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, most of those descriptions or names are easy to see as they apply to Jesus, right? There's an awful lot that could be said about each one of those names, but I'm just going to mention the one that probably makes you say, wait, what? Do you know which one I'm going to mention? Here it is. What about the Everlasting Father? Well, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was the Son. 
So what gives? Well, it's not really difficult once you hear the explanation, but it's good to know. In the original Hebrew, what this means is Jesus is the source, the author, the creator of all eternity. He is the father of time everlasting, the everlasting father. Not sure that you believe me that Jesus is the creator? How about this? In Colossians 1, 15 through 17, the apostle Paul says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else, and I love this part, and he holds all creation together. So, even as we speak right now, Jesus is holding creation together. Wow. Sounds pretty clear to me. Jesus is the creator, and he created all of eternity. He is the father of time everlasting, the everlasting father. What do you think? Send me a comment. I'll share it with the family. You can comment easily at comment.lifespringmedia.com. There's a form right there. Boom, 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 you're done. Or if you want to write an email, you can do that. Send it to steve at lifespringmedia.com. Boost! <laughs> Boost! 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 Family, if you like what you're hearing, please help to keep it going. Support the show with time, talent, or treasure. I'm depending on you to decide which of those or how much value you feel is right. Take a look at support.lifespringmedia.com. However you support the show, as members of the Lifespring family, you are very much a part of producing this show. And when you support it, you're helping to spread the good news. God bless you. This day in church history, September 10, 1832. James Montgomery, the English Moravian writer of hymns, wrote the words to Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of Hosts. Other hymns he's remembered for are The Lord is My Shepherd, Angels from the Realms of Glory, Go to Dark Gethsemane, and Prayer is the Soul's Sincere Desire. Listen, if you love hymns like I do, you might enjoy a show I used to produce called Lifespring Hymn Stories. I haven't produced one of those in a long time, but they're still good. You can find them at lifespringmedia.com. And in 1898, on September 10th, Alexander Crummel died. He was an African-American Episcopal clergyman, scholar, and missionary to West Africa. He was ordained in 1844, and he served as president of Liberia College for 20 years. Hey, another thing you can do to help the show out, besides contributing time, talent, or treasure, is you can write a review at reviews.lifespringmedia.com. Come on, don't be shy. Let other people know what you like about the show. One quick last thing. I want to give a shout out to my longtime friend and fellow podcaster, Wayne Henderson. Wayne lives not too far from me, and we've actually sat down a few times and broken bread together. He's the host of the Packers Fan Podcast. If you're a Packers fan, you have to check out the show. But even if you're just a football or sports fan, take a listen. 
I've been off Twitter and Facebook and Instagram for probably a year, somewhere in that neighborhood, but Wayne sent a DM to me through Twitter just recently, so I got a notification in my email. So I signed back into Twitter to respond to him. Well, I got to poking around and found that Wayne has mentioned me in some of his tweets about podcasting 2.0 right alongside of the podfather himself, Adam Curry. Well, Wayne, thank you, brother. I really appreciate the mentions. And I see that you said you were even streaming some sats to me. So, man, that really means a lot to me. Thank you. Family, check out his show at PackersFanPodcast.com. Boost. Boost. Boost represents the future of podcasting. Comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. I'll read some of the comments on the show. I really do want to hear from you, and I think probably some of the family wants to hear from you too. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. I hope I wasn't too long. I hope I didn't talk too fast for you. But your time is valuable. I'm Steve Webb. Thanks for being here. God bless you. Bye. Thank you.